everybody. Welcome to Dying with the Divine. I'm your host, Ashley, and together we'll be exploring the magical, the mystical, and everything in between. So on today's episode, we're going to chat about different kinds of adobo, and we'll be chatting about a man who had a very interesting life. So I hope everybody's having a great week, and if you're not, I hope it's going to get better soon. Today, we have a wonderful guest, Rochelle Sagawa. Rochelle is in a professional psychic communicator, educator, and creator of the Spirit Found community and the podcast Genuinely Psychic. Since 2019, she's helped hundreds of folks access clarity and relief through accessing intuitive guidance and the support of spirit. She was born and raised on Oahu in the kingdom of Hawaii and currently lives in the Tongva lands in the shadow of the foothills with her three cat companions. How are you doing today, Rochelle? I'm well, and I'm excited to talk about adobo and whatever else we're going to talk about <laughs> <Yeah>. today, Ashley. <laughs> awesome. Yes. How, okay, let's start at the very beginning. How did you first access your psychicness? That's a great question. And honestly, <laughs> it, the reason why... I've told variations. I've given different answers to these questions in the past. And I think the reason why I give a different answer every time is because the more that I think about my childhood and the way that I was raised, the more I realize that I probably have been communicating with the spirit realms, accessing my psychic abilities for like longer, longer than I know. And my background... I grew up, I'm Filipino and I'm Japanese, and I recently found out that I'm also Okinawan, which is a distinct ethnicity from Japanese. It's a Mm. whole political thing. We don't have to get into that now, but... It's fine, we can (laughs) later. It's no problem. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you want, girl. How much time do you have? (laughs) I'm I'm here for all of it, but whatever you want to (laughs) share. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up with... In the predominantly Filipino, specifically Ilocano household. So Ilocano is one of, it's it's an ethnicity in the Philippines that's predominant in the northern region of the Philippines. And so my, I grew up with a very strong Ilocano identity because my grandparents were there. My mom came from the Philippines. And so we spoke Ilocano and we had a lot of, I was exposed to a lot of like cultural, spiritual practices living mm-hmm. in that household. And I think sometime in the mid nineties, I can't remember when, but my, my cousins, my auntie and uncle all came from the Philippines to live with us. So it was like very Filipino. Like the only person that wasn't Filipino there was my dad. <laughs> and I, a lot of, uh, I guess, like things that happened while I was growing up in that house, when we we're all growing up in that house together, really shaped my perspective on spirituality and like what it meant to live in relation to the spirit realm. And I think a lot of people that are like grew up in immigrant households we have this okay there's the pre-existing pre-colonial spirituality remnants that we have and then there's the imposed colonial religion which for me was catholicism and then there's the cultural spiritual how would i say it? i guess like landscape of the place that we're living in so for me growing <laughs> up in hawaii 
was like a whole nother layer on top of that. Because mm-hmm. Hawaii was colonized by the United States, probably not even, it hasn't even been 300 years. Yeah. Like late 1800s. So there's always, there's always crazy shit happening. Yeah. <laughs> and I lived like at the end of a cul-de-sac and there's like a forest behind my house. So there's just, it's like, a, it's a, it was a breeding ground for a lot of like spiritual experiences, spiritual experimentation. So mm-hmm. I guess, sorry for the super long laying the foundation. You're okay. good. No, yeah. please. Just set the yeah. scene. Um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So I think like for me, uh, the first time that I realized that I had some kind of like psychic abilities was actually when my grandpa passed away. And so he had cancer and because my mom's a nurse, surprise, my Filipino mom was a nurse. She, <laughs> um, I was laughing because I'm a nurse and I work yeah. with tons of Filipinos. Yeah, you, you know yeah. I love exactly. Filipinos. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love Filipinos too. And shout out to all the Filipino nurses, especially shout out to all the nurses that survived the pandemic. Then, yeah. <laughs> Right, but also let me okay real quick uh side note about filipino nurses the best thing about working with filipino aunties is that they bring you food all the time unprovoked Mm. you don't need to ask for it they'll be like we were cooking so we just cooked an extra plate of pancet and we're bringing it and you're like no problem yes and the thing about the thing about us like coming from big families when you have the recipe it's like a recipe for 20 people so there's always going to be leftovers there's always there's even like a special word in in a lot of filipino languages for like the food that you take home from the party (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's so. so funny. I wish like we I'm <laughs> so like when I ever go to like when my dad we used to go to a lot of like African parties like my dad's from Ghana. So we used to go to a lot of parties and the food you're going to take home is like so serious. Like you mm-hmm. need to bring a plate or if the guest doesn't provide some it's a problem. Everyone's confused. Like, yeah. like at like, the end of the night we're taking the food home cuz we're all going to eat it tomorrow for lunch. So this is a serious situation and there's always like one uncle or one auntie who oh, starts no. Oh my god, who starts yeah. before they start serving? Yeah. <laughs> it's like excuse me. I want some of that too. Exactly. But- <laughs> you walk in you're like, "Oh, they're unwrapping the food." And here's this one woman already got her containers and you're like ma'am nobody has eaten yet what are we doing here i know we said elders first but it's for this meal not for lunch tomorrow like can we can we like can we serve everyone first the babies haven't eaten either nobody's eaten oh Um, i love that i'm sorry i went off topic um no it's okay Back to what you were talking about. I'm so sorry. You were talking about your grandfather. Yes. Yeah. So 
the first time that I had any kind of like spiritual experience that I can remember was after he passed away. And mm-hmm. he passed away. So I was saying my mom's a nurse. So she was taking care of him like in our home. So mm. he transitioned in our house, oh, like wow. mm-hmm. in a room, like the room that he he and my grandma slept in. Mm-hmm. They had set it up for hospice. He had the hospital bed and everything like that. I'm sure and a lot of people that work with spirit know that death is a huge portal of spirit energy yes and for that reason a lot of people a lot of cultures a lot of religions have rituals around death yeah depending on so for ilocano specifically i can't speak to like other filipino religions outside of like the catholic stuff that my family did there's a huge emphasis on not on like keeping (laughs) (laughs) that's okay (laughs) <laughs> my cat's vigorously licking their bowl and there's like nothing they're like getting the essence of the flavor sorry. i'm so sorry That's okay. <laughs> i'm glad we can laugh about this yes. and, like, you know, and this is me interrupting myself it's something fine. that is so important to me is talk being able to talk about death talk about the spirit realm things that a lot of us are raised to fear because mm-hmm. we don't understand it or because of whatever religious indoctrination or just I don't even want to think about that so it's evil or whatever you want to say it's so important to be able to approach these topics with curiosity Mm because spirit is funny sometimes at least (laughs) the way that they talk to me they talk to me in memes sometimes they talk to me they're they like my my brain association is ooh the SpongeBob episode when he's learning how to drive. That's how I, it comes through for me. So I'm all all about yeah holding on one hand like how sacred this work can be and like being serious about it, being intentional. Mm-hmm. But on on the other side, yeah, we can joke around too. And yeah, oh my god, I'm all about it. When my spirits also like, I they like tell me like just oh Ashley you're really fucking up today and I'm like oh girl I know I'm so sorry (laughs) I'm I'm gonna try harder they're like yeah this is not a good day for you (laughs) you know like so it's true and what you said too about it's so funny everything you said especially when it comes to the subject of death we especially in different cultures it's celebrated different so when you have a lot of that christian or catholicism influence it's very standoffish it's you go to mass and this person died blah 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 but when you have a lot of these rich cultural contexts to it there's a lot of different rituals with it and the way a lot of different i've noticed a lot of different cultures look at death other than they do i would i'm gonna say america because that's what I know best. But America is very like standoffish when it comes to death and stuff. But a lot of other cultures are very like intentional about how we deal with death. And then that can be dependent on the person's status in the community. That can also be dependent on the person's age. It can be dependent on how the person died. But there are special rituals we do for certain different types of people depending on how. And we also a lot of cultures have a big emphasis on letting the soul go, like Mm -hmm. making sure. And I think it's in Judaism. I might be wrong, but I know they open windows when somebody dies to let the soul out. And a lot of different cultures do some spiritual stuff, do different things such as that. But when we talk, death is part of life. And 
Yes. As, yeah, as much as we all don't want to think about it because we're like, oh, that's depressing. Of course, nobody wants to think about it, but it's going to happen to every single one of us. We can't avoid it. So when we have these open discussions about it, it makes it less scary and it makes it so that when these things do happen, we can grieve in a really healthy way instead of just being like, we can never talk about it. We have to shut it down because people are going to be sad. Like, yeah, people are going to be sad, but... It also, like for you, speaking about your grandfather, it opened you up to a different level of understanding about something that now is something that is such a part of your life. So like, even though, yes, um, it's sad, this is your grandfather, you know, have this relationship with him. It also ended up being something that opened you up to something else. So it's, what do they say? I'm not a science person. I know I'm a nurse, but I'm not a science person. I'm like, <laughs> me. me yeah, but I always think of that thing when they say energy never dies or not mm-hmm. never dies or you, it can never go away. Right. It's just always there. And it's that's like the energy almost of death. It's like things die, but that energy that person has goes into something else. And then when we die, it goes into something else. So it's, death does open all these different portals and different things and different understanding and it, it also gives, I think, gives way to all these questions. I think when I think of like Neanderthals, right, they probably started thinking about like, what the fuck happens when these people just stop breathing? <laughs> <laughs> they were probably the first ones who were like, okay, so this bitch just stopped breathing today. And now what? <laughs> Where did it go? What's happening? <laughs> like, and then religion started because they were just like, but what We're happened? trying to explain what's happening here. And- exactly. Yeah. And, and then also, like you said, places where there's been mass death, I think, or mass problems, anywhere that's been colonized pretty much at this point, has that, these spirits walking around. And then they have spirits who were walking around before that, because especially in places like Hawaii, where the people there pre-colonialism were already very deeply spiritual and connected to the land, most of them. So then you just got like triple whammy of shit just hitting you in the face. No wonder you're here now. (laughs) Yes. It was a circuitous journey, but yeah, I I do feel like this was something that I, it was inevitable, even though when it happened, I don't know. I don't, it it (laughs) seemed to me like it was random or totally not on my path, but Mm -hmm. I... Just reflecting on what you've been saying about death, I think for me, so the first portal was with my grandpa passing mm-hmm. away. He visited me in my dreams, and I was like riding bikes with my mm. grandpa through a park. And I remember him at the end of the dream just being like, Okay, I have to go now. And I remember hugging him and feeling like it felt so real. I woke up, I was crying, and mm-hmm. it was also like during that process where I, I I had a little hint of, and now my cat's drinking my water out of my mug, so that's... <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> it's so... They're just like, whatever. They just want to remind you, I know you're doing something else, but we're here. And we're going to keep doing stuff. So whatever. (laughs) You think this is your house? This is our house and you're the butler. (laughs) Um, Anyway, that was the first time. I'm just going to do this. Let me start. start So we're going to have good audio. That's (laughs) fine. Trust me. This is life. 
and it's yeah. fine and i love it, it. yeah no. <laughs> okay that was the first time that i kind of got a hint now looking back of this like role that i would be taking to help others guide others in their spirituality because like we had to pray the novena and i know that you know the mm-hmm. what the novena is right yeah so, So you pray, for those who don't know, it's a Catholic ritual where you pray for nine days. You pray the rosary, and there's some other prayers that are associated with it as well, depending on the tradition. But it's to help the person that you're praying for pass on. Mm -hmm. And me, as a six-year-old, I was leaning my family's novena. Yeah. Yeah. I was the youngest person there, except for my sister, who was like, Six months old. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But so I, yeah, I had that experience. And then we did the thing where you like, I think it's 40 days later, you like pray again. I have to Mm -hmm. pray again. And since then, like whenever my family has done the novena and I'm there in Hawaii, like they'll have me lead it. But okay, we had that experience. And then, but it wasn't until probably, I think it was like 2017 or 2018 after I had gone through law school i took the bar i became mm. a lawyer when okay cool <laughs> not to brag <laughs> ah, girl brag please <laughs> no the only thing honestly learned a lot of lessons i actually learned how to i i actually learned how to read tarot while i was in law school oh um, wow yes shout out to my friend jamie yeah we were just because we had so much time <laughs> Because you know, like, law school is so easy. It's so easy. You can just learn how to talk to the dead and (laughs) discover yourself through tarot, the esoteric art of tarot. But yeah, I think it was like in law school, I started learning how to read tarot. And then my dad had actually, so my mom passed away in 2012. My dad Mm -hmm. passed away in 2016 while I was in law school. And it was really hard for me to process through it. So that's why I think it's really serendipitous that you bring up death as a big portal because it really Mm -hmm. was for me in my spiritual journey. And it wasn't until I was working my first job when I had a another spirit experience. And this time it was like really fucking scary. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, okay, I'm going to set the scene for you again. Hopefully it doesn't take as long as the last time. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Setting the scene, I'm living alone in a one-bedroom walk-up, and I'm like, baby witch, trying to learn how to see my auras. Because I watched a video on YouTube where this guy's, anyone can learn how to see their aura. And I was like, even me? Okay. I get kind of good at it. I start to see it around my head, try to see it around my cats, Mm -hmm. and... But I never successfully was able to see it around my head. I'm in my bathroom where I can see my head. I'm looking in the mirror. It's 9 p.m. I'm Mm. all alone. And I'm just like staring at myself in the mirror. I literally, I feel the easy pickings victim of any horror movie. Just like anything can happen. But I'm staring at my, I'm staring at myself. I'm trying to like change the focus of my eyes, trying to see my aura. And I think, oh, maybe if I move my arm, I'll be able to see my aura like around my arm better. So Mm -hmm. I'm moving my arm up and down and I move it up And I just feel this ball of electricity, warm energy right next to me. And I'm just like, okay, 
maybe I left my hair straightener on and that's <laughs> what it is. Does that make sense? And it wasn't plugged in. I don't know. I was just like, okay, that's interesting. So my arms up. And I move my arm down again, and that warm ball of energy, it's, imagine for those listening, that it's like the size of a standard beach ball, okay? Mm -hmm. It just feels like a dense ball of energy. And I wasn't sure if I was imagining it, so I put my arm through it again, and that time, the vibrations got so strong that the bracelets that I was wearing on my other arm were, like, shaking Mm. and vibrating and yeah it was at that moment when i lost my shit yeah 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 i can see that yeah (laughs) i didn't know what was happening i looked at my cat and she's just sitting there just like what (laughs) like what's wrong and i didn't know what to do like i grabbed all my crystals and my cross and my rosary and I just I just sat in the middle of my living room and I cried and I was just like this home is protected you can't do anything and called my my boyfriend at the time even though he lived in Arizona what is he gonna do I just I didn't know what to do and I think for maybe three weeks after that I slept with all the lights on Mm. in my home and until I could go see somebody to figure out what the heck was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is, yeah, that's a lot. So, so that's so, it's funny. So when I started all my stuff was a while ago, but when I started, I had an experience, not the same as you, but it was equally as frightening. Like mm. I one day woke up in the middle of the night and everything, I knew I was, my eyes were open, but I couldn't see anything. It was black, pitch black, not just it's nighttime, it's dark. I couldn't see shapes. I couldn't see anything in my room. And I felt like be, I was being pushed down onto mm. my bed. And people were like, oh, that's just sleep paralysis. I'm like, no, I don't get sleep paralysis. I've never had this problem before. So that was the first time I ever felt anything that I was scared of. Because it was pushing me and I couldn't move and I couldn't talk. I So I just was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go back to bed. I'm just going to resume living life normally. Yeah, I was like, okay. So I tried to close my eyes, but it was still pushing me. So that I tried to lift up my arms and I couldn't. So then I like was pushing. And finally I pushed one of my arms up. And then I was like, shit, shit, shit. And then- <laughs> so like I went, I got up. I ran to the bathroom and I just stayed there for a minute. And then I went out, like I opened my door. There was nothing in there. There's nothing physical in my room, but I was just like, hello. Mm. <laughs> hello, person or whatever. <laughs> the next morning I like called my friend who, cause like we used to go to mediumship circles and I like called her and I was like, yo, I have a problem. I was I don't know what to do. This is really early in my practice. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So it was simply, I was like, I always rely on like holy water. That's my like Mm. go-to. So I was like, she was like, oh, get, I forget what she told me to get. But whatever she told me to get, I think I just forgot about it as soon as I saw my holy water. I was like, holy water solves all problems. So I'm rushing. (laughs) 
grabbing my holy water and just throwing it all over my room and just calling Archangel Michael to please take this thing away. And I was, the next night I was scared to go to sleep, but I did. So I get it. Sometimes we have these uh, strange experiences. Yeah, Um, no, for sure. And I think like the fear really pushed me. That's what really pushed me to try to understand mm -hmm. like how to navigate the spirit realm, how spirit communication works, how to identify when I'm safe and when I'm not safe. Because I learned from the psychic that I went to that that what I felt was actually my spirit guide. Okay. That I was afraid of my own personal spirit guide, which to me was not okay. Yeah. There were like so many times leading up to that point when I had tried to connect and speak with my parents, with other ancestors, other people, other deceased loved ones. Mm -hmm. And I never knew if I was doing it correctly, if it was just me imagining things in my head. Mm -hmm. And so I think that really galvanized my, yeah, my path and trying to understand why these things happen, what I can expect and things like that. And it all just continued to grow and eventually one of the women that i used to work with she said she's you're gonna be helping people to navigate like laws of spirit laws of the universe rather Mm. than immigration law which to me i prefer because (laughs) immigration law is not fair in this country yeah that's that's how i got here that is awesome and now you have a whole community that you're helping so that's awesome good so like you went from not even knowing that it was your own spirit guide to now helping other people figure that out. I love that. That's wonderful. Okay. Mm. So now we know all about you and how we got here. And so now <laughs> we're going to talk about our dish of the week. We're going to go on to our next thing. So I know you said that you won a pork adobo contest when you were in <laughs> I love it. When you, were, when you were in college, was that it? When I was in law school. Oh, when you were in law yes. school. Okay. Yes. So you were learning tarot and you were cooking amazing food when you were in law school. <laughs> so you basically just like... Law went school's to- easy. <laughs> it's like you I were doing can't. all these other things and then you went to law school for fun. And you're, just, you're just that smart. You're like, whatever, it's fine. I'll go to law school on the side and while I'm cooking and learning tarot. <laughs> no. Honestly, okay. I... For those that don't know, I can't tell. I'm joking. Law school is not easy. And I think... Me too. I don't go to law school, but the people I know, it was really fucking hard. I think... I think, like, when you're in that mode, at least for me, it just gets into... You get into this zone where it's like, okay, this is my base level of stress. It's really high. And I'm just gonna keep putting on other hobbies. I even played, like women's flag football when I was in law school. <laughs> you had to keep yourself busy. Yeah. yeah, that was my 20s. That was then, and it's a different era now. Yeah. So. yeah. I know. Isn't it wild? <laughs> I was talking about this at work. I used to, when I was in nursing school, I used to work, I used to work on Friday night. I'd work from 11 p.m. till 7 a.m., then I would come back to work at 3 p.m. and work till 7 a.m. Sunday morning. Then I would sleep for a couple hours and go back from 3 to 11 because I tried to get a good paycheck in four days because I had to go to school in the week and it was too hard to navigate. And I was I would just do that and I would still go out. 
I would still come. I don't understand. I would still, I would, I'd work a 16 hour shift and I'd go out. I'd be like, people like, oh, you want to go to this bar? I'd be like, yeah. Or I would drive to Philadelphia, which is an hour away from where I live to hang out for two hours. I don't know. Now I can't do that because I am older and I need water and rest. I can't do all that. (laughs) Shade, a comfy blanket. Yes. If we're going to day drink, I have to prepare. The day before, I need to be well hydrated. I'm only going to have two or three drinks and I'm going to have a good meal with it. Because by five or six, we're all going home. I can't do this anymore. We had a boozy brunch and now I must rest. Oh, no. No. No boozy brunches, please. I must get my rest. I can't stay out all day. Oh, my God. I love it. But at least I'm hydrated now, so my skin looks a little better. Um, It's better. You do have great skin. Thank you. I'm trying. I don't have a skin routine or anything. I keep begging my sister because she's really good at all that stuff to teach me. She's I don't know what you want. I'm like, I don't either. Teach me what I'm, I think I need a skin routine. That's what TikTok tells me. Someone mm. help me. You'll be too powerful if you have a skin routine. <laughs> It'll just increase <laughs> all <Yes>. my powers. <laughs> oh my God. Now I need a skin routine. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. So back to Adobo. So yeah. <laughs> I love it. This is fine. We're going to do this the whole time. It's no problem. I don't really, I only know what adobo is as seasoning that I can get in the grocery store, right? So I don't really know too much about it. So I was like, let me see what adobo is because it must be a multiple different things. I found this article on Bon Appetit. And so it says adobo is derived from the Spanish word adobar or to marinate. And adobo unites the many places that once fell under Spanish rule, but adobo is an example of how separate cultures persist and evolve despite Spanish influence. The word adobo speaks to the shared history of Spanish occupation, but taste adobo from Mexico besides adobo from the Philippines, and you'll instantly witness how traditions have diverged. Okay, adobo, the ones we have here are we have four different types of adobo. The first one we got is Spanish adobo. So Spanish adobo is with vinegar and oil. It's a marinade and it has pimentos, oregano, salt, <laughs> garlic, and black pepper. And this came centuries before refrigeration as it helps preserve proteins. And this happens a lot of the time. The reason in a lot of places where it is warm, the foods are spicier is because spices help preserve food. So the people figured that out way early on. They didn't have refrigerators. So they just were like, let's just put all this pepper in here and it'll make it last a couple more days. So this happened coastal areas where meat spoiled quickly. Like the south of Spain is very (laughs) warm. The port city of Cadiz, for example, is known for cazón and adobo, which is a dense chunks of dogfish that get marinated in vinegar and spices. Okay. So that's Spanish adobo. Then next we got Mexican adobo, which is also different. So in Mexico, adobo starts with dried chilies. Like we talked about this in a previous episode, like with mole. They use a lot of dried Mm. chilies in Mexico. And the chilies are rehydrated and then combined into a thick paste um, with vinegar or citrus juices. And then they can add onions, garlic, cumin, oregano. And it is also matched with 
meat or seafood most of the time. And it can be thinned out to make it a broth for a sauce or it can turn into a base for a stew. And it can be used also as a condiment. And in Mexico, it's found in the form of canned chipotle peppers in adobo sauce in different brands. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure Goya has something like this. When I go down the Goya aisle, I'm going to look for it next time. You can add a little smoky flavor or heat to it. It's different. Now we're going over to Puerto Rico. And in Puerto Rico, they have their own adobo too. And that's garlic, some kind of vinegar or citrus, oregano, salt, pepper, and olive oil. And then sometimes they put, they just, they don't do the wet one. Sometimes they just do the spices. So you can find those in the Goya aisle. Like it says, launched by Goya in 1966. And it's a very tasty flavor. Um, it's very strong. This is the one that I know the most that I've had before is Puerto Rican adobo. It's absolutely delicious. And then last but never least, we have Filipino adobo. So if you didn't know, you should know by now, because I feel like we've talked about the Philippines a couple times on this podcast. The Spanish, <laughs> the Spanish showed up in the Philippines in 1521, and they brought all their bullshit, but they also brought some vegetables and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the colonizers always brought bullshit, but then they would be like, but here's some of our vegetables, and whatever. So they <laughs> can make up for it. Yeah. Like, we're definitely going to take all your land and try to destroy your culture and your language and maybe mess your people up, but here's some new vegetables for you. <laughs> colonizers are fucked up. Anyway, oh. they're the, ter- the worst. So we have this... <laughs> In a Filipino adobo, we've got vinegar. We may have some soy sauce, some garlic, some bay leaves, and some black peppercorns. It says the ratio that's dictated by both your family, like how much your family likes it or how much you like it. You can do a chicken. You can do a pork like Rochelle did and won a super awesome contest. You can Mm. make it into a sticky glaze. Ooh, I love a sticky glaze. It makes everything taste better. And that's usually what it says they would put on on a pork, not so much chicken. And you could add, if you want to get real crazy, you could add squid, you could add eggplant, you can add mushrooms. Makes sense if you're in the Philippines, you add squid, it's an island country. And, oh, by the way, before on this podcast, I did not know how many islands were in the Philippines. And now I do. It's 7,640. Now we know the exact number, everyone. I'm so excited. I'm so <laughs> I was like, I know it's over 7,000, but I cannot remember the number. I'm going to try to keep that number in my brain for one day there's going to be a Jeopardy question and they're going to ask me. And I'll say, I know. The other thing that's cool in the Philippines is we have different types of adobo. We have a red adobo. And then you have a yellow one that you can put turmeric in. And the red adobo is with fish sauce and anato, which makes adobong pula, which is a red adobo. And then you have... Adobang Dalal, which is a yellow adobo. That's the one with turmeric. And then you can take, you can skip the turmeric and just have Abudang Puti, which is a white adobo. If you want to make adobo, make it. It sounds delicious. You can make it anyway. Try every single way. Try every single recipe because it'll be a good time and figure out which one you and your family like the best. So yeah, that's adobo. Now, this is a part of the show where I plug myself. If you like this show, feel free to give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to it. And we are done with the divine. As again, I always say we. I think I'm just me and my spirits because right now it's just me and my house and my kitchen table. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are done with the divine on Instagram, dine with the divine on Facebook, and 
if you have any questions, concerns, comments, you want to suggest we talk about something for the show, please email me at dinewiththedivinepod at gmail.com. I will get back to you guys. I promise. I enjoy reading emails. It's fun for me. Just be nice. That's all I ask. Now, next, we're going to talk our little tea time. So because Rochelle is the uh, queen over here of psychic communication, we're going to chit chat with her about the different ways we can communicate. We have a couple different ones. Of, we have some of the clairs here. Just so everybody knows, when people talk about the clairs, these are the different ways you can sense different things going around you, okay? There's a couple different ones. We got clairvoyance, which most people have heard. This is seeing. Now, I don't know how you do it, Rochelle, but like when I see something, I always say I see it with my mind's eye. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean I don't yes. see physical stuff I guess people do but I think my spirits know that I can't handle that <laughs> if I see real stuff I'm running <laughs> I'm leaving I gotta get out but if I see it in my mind's eye I'm I'm like this is safe I can handle this but I don't know if you see things or how you communicate how you connect yeah no I definitely can see in my mind's eye and also IRL but mm. just like you it trips me out so i think like a week uh, like a week after the energy ball spirit guide incident mm-hmm. i or maybe i don't know it was shortly after that i started to pray to my god to spirit realm for my deceased loved ones to appear to me and i mm. said you can appear to me if i know you right but then it turned out at that time that was a little too much because <laughs> i remember there was one night i woke up in the middle of the night because i need to use the bathroom i got up i'm like walking into my little hallway and i see a blue orb just floating towards me like ghastly the pokemon ghastly yeah. like that except no face or nothing it was just like a blue thing like floating towards me and all of a sudden i just decided i don't need to use a bathroom anymore and i'm really tired i'm gonna go back to bed <laughs> so i've definitely seen things in the past like that but yeah it, it's something that i want to work towards being more open to because i feel like that fear that i have it's now that i know a little bit more about the spirit realm it's something mm-hmm. that i want to that I, I feel would be really useful for myself and my yeah. clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there is that like subconscious, I don't know if it's like lizard brain fear of seeing things that are quote unquote not supposed to be there that yeah, really yeah. gets us. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, I think it's that fear of, I don't know. I When I was a kid, I was constantly, I was very afraid. I still am a little afraid of the dark. And I think it's because in my mind's eye, I know something is there sometimes. And I'm like, ah, if I see it in real life, I'm going to, I'm going to fall on the ground. It'll just be it. I'll just die. <laughs> so I, can't, I can't handle it. Um, I have seen things at the corner of my eye, though, many times that happens to me a lot. I'll just see a flash or I'll see a face or something, but not often. But I think that's a really popular clair. People always say they're clairvoyant. They see. So then some people are clairaudient. They hear. Some people are clairsentient. They just feel. And I think these three are... Oh, and then claircognizant is also really popular. People just know. You just have a a knowing that something is happening. Or when people are saying, oh, I just know this is going to happen. Or I have a feeling, blah, blah, blah. Then you have Claire and Claire Aliens, which Mm -hmm. is like smelling. And Claire Gustians, which is tasting. And then you have Claire 
angiens. I hope I'm saying that, which is basically psychometry. So psychometry for anybody who doesn't know is, and I didn't even know that this was psychometry. <laughs> I was like, what is psychometry? Let's Google it. And okay. And then I was like, oh, I know what the hell this is. I didn't know this was what it's called. It's the ability to, so this is the definition I have here. The ability to discover facts about an event or person by touching inanimate objects associated with them. So a lot of times I've been in a couple psychic classes. This is something people teach a lot because it's like one of the, I feel easier ways to start to mm -hmm. build that connection. When you have an item from a person, it's first of all, it's something tangible. I think it's easier when it's something tangible that you can touch and feel. And you can feel then the essence of the person who usually own that, which I think is, it makes life easier. One thing that I remember we did years and years ago when I took this class, this is more than 10 years ago, this like psychic class, we did this thing where it was like a sand reading. I've never done it since. Ooh. It was very cool. The woman who was teaching us the class, she brought out this bowl of sand and she would have the person who was going to be the reader. There was like six of us in this class. The person who was, and we didn't know each other. The person who was going to be the reader would go in a different room and close the door. You weren't able to see who was doing it. Somebody else would come forward, put their hands in the sand and just feel the sand, move their hands all around it for like maybe 20, 30 seconds. They'd go sit down. Then they call the person out from the room. And the person in the room had to go then in and feel the sand and give a reading. And it was really cool. And That's it worked. awesome. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> That was one of my, that's one of my favorite ways that I've learned how to read. Okay. Divination is so vast. There's so many different ways, but I love some of the more abstract ways, like not the guts thing. I don't know about that. <laughs> I've never, it's, a, it's not for everyone. Yeah. It's not for me. <laughs> and if you do, that's your thing and I'm not dogging it, but like, I'm not yucking your yum, but are they saying yum to that? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on Maybe with people. Maybe they are. No, yeah, sorry. No, it's fine. Yes. I don't know. Yes. Yes. We don't know. If but you it, do, that's great. That's your business. It's none of my <laughs> business. But I really love the sand. Reading is cool. Some people do flowers. I really think you could almost use anything. Some people use flowers. Uh, I use, We. I learned like when I was doing my shamanic training, Olympia, where they use an egg. Mm -hmm. I like that because it's cool to figure that out. But I've tried tea leaves. I can't. I don't get it. That's not for me. But tea leaves are really cool. Coffee grounds are cool. There's a million different ways to do divination. Like a lot of people just like tarot. If you don't like tarot, you don't have to do tarot. If you don't like runes, that's fine. There's like a gazillion different ways and you can find your own way. So now I have a little article here that talks about like, how do you become psychic? And I just liked some of the different things they said. If you're on a path that you want to connect with your psychic senses, these might be a couple of things you want to do. And Rochelle, feel free to interject whenever you want. One of the hard, and this list is actually a little shady. I don't love it, but <laughs> it brings up extra points that I was like, okay, I can understand. One mm. of the things they say is like to comp, quote unquote, keep your mind out of it. But that's literally one of the hardest things to do. Yes. Yeah. It is. Yeah. When you're first learning, all you want to do is think of stuff. One thing you, I always tell people to do, I am, I, okay, I will make an admission right now. I'm a shit at meditating. I don't meditate. I'm bad at it. <laughs> it's 
just like with the guts, it's not for everyone. <laughs> but also, just like with the guts divination, you don't need to meditate in order to be a good channel. Exactly. You don't need to meditate. I, If I must meditate, I must do like guided medications because I need somebody to tell me what I'm supposed to be thinking about sometimes. <laughs> so no, my mind will wander too much. But you're so right. You don't need to learn how to meditate. The one thing you do need to learn how to do is quiet your mind. And that can be really hard for a lot of people is just trying to quiet your mind. If you don't like to meditate and maybe you're trying to quiet your mind, one thing you can do is try to get something and focus on one thing. Like say you have an object. I would say play with the object in your hand. Notice everything about that object. Just talk to yourself about that object. Learn to focus on just one thing and then it will help you go forward when you want to do different things when it comes to your getting your psyche, psychic senses together. Reading auras, a lot of people do like, like you were talking about reading auras. That's a really popular one people start off with. Everything has, every living thing has basically an aura. So if you get good at that or that's something you like I don't like reading orders because I don't I never get it right um, <laughs> but I know a lot of people who are very good at it and it is it, it, it's cool like it's a very cool form of psychicness that I really love you can like I said practice psychometry and in here it's just like, communicate with your spirit guides and you might say what the hell is that and how the hell am I supposed to do that yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> but this is why you contact somebody like Rochelle because she's going to help you figure that out people mm, okay there's a couple things when it comes to your spirit guys that I think people need to understand number one you just like people in your life and your family your friends you are allowed to set up boundaries with your spirit guide yes and it's very important that you do because if you don't want them to come to you in your sleep you can just say hey guys love you you're the best Please don't come to me while I'm sleeping. This is, and I don't want you guys in my bedroom. This is out of bounds. You know, come to me whenever. But it's really, that's one of the most important things to start establishing that. Establishing a relationship with them. Wait, sorry. Yes, I totally agree. And that's one of the first things that I learned how to do after that whole energy ball spirit guide incident. I was mm -hmm. like, no more bathroom <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it was too, like, I've, since then, I've gotten over the, the fear that, like, I've learned from, like, horror movies that, like, bad things happen to you when you're in the bathroom looking <laughs> at yourself in the mirror. But when I first started out... That was a big boundary for me. No bathroom, nothing in my bedroom. It has to be in like a common room and it has, I laid out this whole list of boundaries. And mm -hmm. I think it's really important to preserve your sanity, your energy, so you can be well rested and communicate on your terms. But also like it helps to give you confidence once you see that you can develop a relationship with your spirit guides, with the spirit realm that respects your boundaries and i think that psychologically helps people to get more comfortable with more interaction different interaction with spirits too yes absolutely because all your loving spirit guides and the thing about all your spirit guides they do care about you and they love you they they will always respect you because you respect them and you care about them. You want to have this good relationship. Just like any good partner, any good family member would. If you say, please don't come in my bedroom. They won't. 
you just have to ask. And then you say, I, I love to see you guys in my kitchen. They'll come talk to you. They'll tap you on the shoulder. Hey, girl, we got a little message for you. <laughs> <laughs> we know you're cooking that adobo, but real quick. Yeah, be sure you are. And also, people always, like, when you are not feeling good, like, when you're sad, when you're going through something, that is a good time to go to your spirit guides. You can go chit chat yes. with them. Yeah, they don't only need to hear from you when you're in a good mood. When you're in a bad mood, go talk to them. They might have something to tell you, some good advice, something to get you through your moment or whatever's going on. A lot of people are like, yeah, I don't like to like, when I go to my altar, I make sure I'm completely composed and I'm like completely this. And I'm like, really, girl? Because I'd be a mess. <laughs> That's me, like, one day a year for four hours. That would be, it would be really hard to develop a relationship with your spirits if you're just trying to come every time you're, like, only perfect or when your altar is, like, exactly how you want it. Yeah. Yeah, our spirits know that we are huge messes because we're human and that's why they're here to help us yeah i love that you brought that up yes yes because i feel i've heard it so many times when people are like i must clear my altar and everything must be perfect and i'm like which is great because your spirits they appreciate the respect of course they're like thank you for cleaning it up out here but also the if you are in distress, they want to hear from you. They want to help you. They want to advise you. They want to comfort you. Your ancestors, that's what they want. They love you. You're, it's like going to your, if, if anybody has that grandmother, grandfather feeling in their life or they've had it, that's what your, all your ancestors are literally your grand something, right? So mm-hmm. they are trying to embrace you and love you. One of my earliest spirit guides is my grandmother, who I never met, but she has been with me. And anytime I am like going through it, I just say, Grandma, I just need you. And I feel it. She comes, she she's doing it right now. She just comes and she gives me a little squeeze. And I'm like, oh, I love you. And then- <laughs> Because she just wants to remind me, I'm here. She comes in, she comes out when she knows she needs me. She's around when she knows like, all right, she's doing it right now. I can go chill and do whatever I want. (laughs) She's up there doing her thing. So, But that's, she's my intermediary up there. She's my uh, spiritual bestie. So they want you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love how you talk about, I love how often you call on your grandma and you like uh, not to say that it's like casual but i think that a lot of people who are on this spirit communication spirit guide getting to know their spirit guide's journey could benefit from is calling upon them for help more Mm -hmm. often or even just like being in conversation with them more often it's not like church where you have to wait like Mm -hmm. for the special time of the holiday in order to go and you don't have to wear fancy clothes you don't need to like feel guilty or anything like that it is really a grandmotherly grandfatherly relationship i love how you described it that way because like for me one of my first and i always like actually i don't think i've ever said this not on here at least but i remember one of my first times ever feeling like a spirit or like god i think i remember being like six and sitting in the closet 
crying. I don't know what I was upset about, but I was really upset. And I just started calling out to God. I was like, God, please help me. I'm so upset. And I like felt this inter and now I know the feeling because this is what happens to me every time I feel them around. I just got this warm feeling all over my body and I felt better. And like, I was still upset, but I instantly felt better. And in that moment, I realized, cause like growing up Catholic too, they tell not my family, but the church says, if you do something, you got to go tell a priest and this is how you communicate. No. Or you say specific prayers like the novena and different things, but it's no, sometimes you can just call out to whatever it is that you believe in. And they're there, they're everywhere, right? If we believe that the spirits are omnipresent and omnipotent and all this good stuff, then they are all around us. So when you call and say, my God, or whatever, you, you decide to say your particular spirit, your ancestor, whatever, they hear you anytime. Yes. Yeah. Anytime you need them, they hear you. Call out and reach out for them. And they're just waiting. You guys, they don't have time up there. Like, yeah, literally. 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 Time doesn't exist for them. They're, they're just where they are forever. If you call out, it's not like they're too busy. <laughs> what? Do they need to have a job? No. <laughs> They don't work. <laughs> yeah. They're like living their best dimension lives and whatever. They're the spirits, and I'm getting very woo-woo for a second, but like they are, there's a very good book. It's called The Afterlife of Billy Fingers. And in this book, this woman who was previously not really, I don't know if she was an atheist, but I don't think she was religious at all or a spiritual at all. Her brother died and he starts communicating with her and she thinks she's losing her mind at first. She's like, this shit don't make sense. But as the book goes on, he starts explaining all these different things about who he is becoming and like how his soul is basically just a ball of light floating around. A thing that a lot of us have heard, right? Yes. It's very cool in the book, but when you read it and I'm like, yeah, he becomes basically a part of the bigger universe. It's not, it's so expansive that people die that they become these spirits that we will never even understand it. In, in conclusion, just call on them. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're floating, but they're around. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny because, yeah, sometimes trying to make sense of, like, how it works, and by it I mean death and spirit, like, how it all works energetically, I really do think that our brains are not equipped to understand it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember, but there was a woman on TikTok that was talking about two-dimensional beings and three-dimensional beings and how she's trying to, she, keep, she keeps trying to explain what the fourth dimension would look like but every time it's we can't adequately visualize it because yeah. we don't know what the fourth dimension looks like <laughs> so i think it's like how it is with spirit it's okay there are certain things there, there's a lot that we can understand evidentially even mm -hmm. scientifically but there's also a lot that we probably will never be able to comprehend. But I think it's because we're too limited in this 
body. (laughs) Yes, that's what I always think. And when people, whatever your belief or not belief is fine. But like when people are like, you can't prove God. I'm like, yeah, we probably never will. It's fine if you don't want to believe it. I get that. It's real weird. It's totally fine if you don't believe in any of this. I totally understand. But like, but yeah, that's what faith is. And faith is in a lot of different forms. You just believe because sometimes you do have an inner knowing, but I can't show you what I see. Rochelle can't show you what she sees, but we see it. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> We're going off the rails here. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, it's not you. I can go on and on about how there's no time and space. This is my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> I just I just saw a video about how bl- time in black holes slows down. Yeah? Wow. Yes. I'll send that's, it to you. Yeah, please do. Oh my god. Let's see. This is what I'm talking about. So what does time even mean? If sometimes it's slow over here and sometimes here it's fast. What does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I think the thing about working with spirit and working in these quote-unquote unseen realms, it really does necessitate you having a philosopher's mind. Because there's just, but yes, it can get to a point where, it's, wow, so pretty much anything is possible and everything is an illusion. Does it just get, get to those parts? But then we just come back down to earth and it's okay. I'm just going to prepare some offerings for my altar and try to figure out what I need to know for this week. And I'm going to be okay with that. <laughs> I know I love that because it's the same thing like earlier before we start talking I'm outside pouring out liquor for my guides does any I hope nobody saw me because they'll be like what the hell is that woman doing just a giant bottle of whiskey and me just pouring and talking to myself (laughs) why does it work I don't know but it does I promise you (laughs) and that's what my guides told me to do everybody calm down so (laughs) I don't know (laughs) oh god this is amazing oh we could go on about this forever and we might but actually we're gonna go to our story of the week because we need structure (laughs) clearly because clearly the two of us could just keep talking about anything for a very long time (laughs) so i'm gonna try my best all right but this is very fun it's not, it's fun, but you'll see. So this is our story. So um, your mother's people are the Ilocano. Am I saying that right? Yes. Ilocano. Okay. So I started Googling stuff and I was like, let's, I want to learn about the Ilocano people. So I found, this is pretty fun. This is a story called Bing and Nai Lam Eng, or the English version, the life of Lam Eng. Okay. This is the first written Filipino folk epic, and it comes from the Ilocano people. It's actually like an epic poem, like Beowulf. And I read the whole poem. It's not that long. You can read it. And I put a link in the show notes. And it's actually, it's like, it gets serious. It's also very funny. Like, (laughs) 
also like hilarious at times. I'm like, what's going on in this story? But I really enjoyed reading it. <laughs> Gotta tell you, a lot of it has been, so this is like a folk epic, but you'll see they talk about baptism and stuff. So it's been Christianized. The first guy who wrote it down was somebody, was a Spanish colonial person. So a lot of it has been Christianized, but <clears throat> it's still a really good story. <clears throat> All right, so here we go. This is a story of Lam Eng, our boy. You're going to love him. I do. So it all starts. There's this couple. They got married. They were super, super happy. So there was this woman and she obviously she got pregnant later on because they started banging all the time and things were good. Everything was fine. The second verse of this poem is literally just about how much food this lady was eating. And I'm like, rude. She was pregnant. It literally just labeled all the fruits and vegetables that she couldn't stop eating. They're like, this lady was at the kitchen. And I'm like, first of all, don't be rude to my girl. She's seven months pregnant. She's starving all the time. She's allowed to eat. Jeez. Let her eat. She's fine. So she was eating and she was seven months pregnant now. And she's super happy. And her husband, Don Juan, he's super happy. Oh, our lady here, her name is Namangan. Namangan. So Namangan, she is seven months. She's so excited. So she starts like nesting like most women do. They need to get shit ready. So she's husband. I made a list. And he's like, did you? And she's like, I certainly did. She's like, first things first, I need you to get some bamboo. So there's this traditional bed. It's called a balitang. And it's like a traditional bed that was made out of bamboo it was slightly reclined for childbirth so she's we need to make this thing now because i am huge this baby is coming so i'm gonna need you to get some bamboo fast fast so he said no problem then we go so he goes up to the mountain he gets the bamboo then he literally starts talking i think he has some magic too there's a lot of random magic in this story (laughs) yeah i told you it's part of our culture it's random i was reading the poem i was like what and so all of a sudden he looks at he cuts down the bamboo and he looks at it and he's damn this is a lot of bamboo He's bamboo. You know what you could do to help me out? Just start rolling down the hill yourself. So the bamboo just starts following him. That's good. So to carry all this bamboo. That's convenient. That's super convenient, right? So he gets home. <clears throat> he puts all the bamboo in the, in the front yard. And he's, now I'm gone. I got the, t- the bamboo. And she's fantastic. I'm so excited. Next on the list. I need you to go to, to the mountain. You need to get some firewood. And you need to get a jar because <clears throat> we need to put the placenta in a jar. And then you're going to need some herbs because I got to take this herbal bath to get myself ready and probably to cleanse her probably afterwards. <clears throat> and he's no problem. I got you. You're my wife. I love you so much. Um, so he's like, I'm going up the mountain. Now, here's the problem. The people that where he comes from, I guess they didn't get along with some of the people who lived up the mountain. <clears throat> These are the Igorot people. They're a different ethnic group. And apparently they didn't get along. So he's, oh shit, I'm gonna go up the mountain and they're there. And oh, uh, might get a little hairy. But Namagong's like, just go take your stuff. He gets his, his weapons and stuff and he goes up the mountain. He goes up the mountain. And now it's been like weeks. We can't find Juan Juan. We don't know where he is. So Namagong is getting a little nervous. And then one night, one night she's okay oh boy here we go i'm having labor pain she's about to have the baby no good she's panicking she's calling so i think they had some money because she had a driver and all this kind of stuff she calls the driver and the driver's like i don't know what to do <laughs> she calls 
somebody else and he's i don't know what to do so they go so the driver being smart he goes and finds like an old lady he's ma'am ma'am please <laughs> so she comes to namangan's house and she's like girl let me help you because these men out here are acting wild <laughs> so namangan has the baby right here's the thing when the baby came out first thing he did was speak what you're a baby. So, <laughs> so, so the baby said, and I quote, he said, I, Mother Namangan, when you have had me baptized, please name me Lam Eng and have as my godfather the old Gibeon. I think Gibeon was actually the driver. She said, oh. that should be my godfather. Okay, fine. So then time goes by, <clears throat> a little couple months. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Couple months go by. They get Lam Eng baptized, and then Lam Eng, because he can talk, he's, Mom, I gotta ask you, where's my dad? Where's my papa? And she's, he's, am I a bastard? What's going on? Is my birth honorable? And she's, sir, your birth is very honorable. You have a father. He went to the forest in the Igorot country, and he never came back. And Lam Eng, oh, okay. In that case, I know I'm only nine months old, but I'm gonna go find him. And she's like, oh my God, please don't. You're a creepy. <laughs> she's like, where are you going? He's like, I gotta go find my papa. And she's like, you absolutely cannot do that. You are nine months old. You can't go into the woods. But he was like, I have to. So he was insistent at nine months old that he go into the forest. So he brought a sack with these magical crystals that he had in it. Four crystals. He also had a magic pot. So anytime he needed food, he literally just poured water on the pot and he had food, which is, I wish I had that. Um, so it's basically a magic Insta pot that he had. And this is great. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing great. So now he goes into the forest. Okay. Cause he's got to go find his dad and he falls asleep with his sword and his shield. And he has a dream that night in the forest. He hears his voice telling him to hurry up because the Igorots are feasting on his dad. So he's, oh shit. So he gets up and he starts walking. He's walking. He's going. So he gets to the town of the Igorots and he sees, trigger warning, decapitation. He sees his dad's head on a stake. Fuck. This is not good. So he's standing in the town and he said, pardon, what's going on here? Why is my dad's head on a stake? And the chief came out and he said, bro, you better calm down and you better quiet down right now. Let me, let me tell you something. If you don't want trouble, you better get out of here. And Lam Eng said, who are you speaking to? Me? I know you're not talking to me right now because I'm about to mess you all up. So <laughs> he tells the chief, he said, go call all your people. And when I see all your people, I don't just mean the men from this town. All your people. Call them all. So they send out a, like a, they send out a tweet. And <laughs> all the ignorance from the neighboring towns, they said, they, Lam Eng wants to fight us all. They're all probably giggling because they're like, this man's going to fight 300 people. <laughs> this is crazy. Isn't he still a baby at this point? He's nine months old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he's a baby. So the, the chief tweeted a meme. Like, can you believe this baby said he's going to fight us? Everybody come out. So Lam Eng's okay. He sees everybody staying around him. They all stand around him. They all got their swords and spears and shields. And Lam Eng's like, he's like Morpheus. He's like, come, bring it on. And, <laughs> and he says literally to the Igorots, he said, now this is your end. So he goes and he starts slicing bitches, slicing them to the point where he kills everybody. Okay. 
except for the chief. Now he looks at the chief and he said, just so that you will never forget me, I'm not going to kill you. He takes out all his teeth and he takes out his eyes and cuts off his ears and his hands and just leaves him. He's, this is so nobody forgets that you guys aren't going to mess with me again. Okay. So now he goes home because that's crazy. <laughs> He's avenged his father's death. So now it's time for him to go and be I a baby. He did more than that. Yeah. He did a lot there. He, he did a lot. He was trying to prove a point. <laughs> yeah, he went home. Now, now I know. <laughs> Lam Eng, you're doing a lot right now, but okay. So he went home. And now this is, now I think this is a couple years later. He's no longer a baby, okay? He, he's a little older now. So him and his friends decide to fight a crocodile. I don't know why. <laughs> they just do. And they collect all the crocodile's teeth, and he puts it on a string, and he uses it as a talisman. That's fine. So then he goes home, and he's, Mom, I got this crocodile tooth necklace. I feel really good about it. Also, I'm going to need you to pack all my best clothes. And his mom's, for what? And she's, I need to go to Kalanutian, Kalanutian, I think that's the name of the town, I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but he's, I need to go to Kalanutian because there's this woman there, her name's Don, Donna Ines, and I really need to try to get her to be my girl. And she is, no. <laughs> I was like, you're not, you're not doing that. And he's, no, I really gotta do it. She's, he doesn't, she doesn't want to be with a common dude, okay? She doesn't want to be with a regular ass dude. And she's <laughs> literally in the poem at one point, it says, the mom says to him, she might throw urine on you. Don't go. <laughs> and you will be embarrassed. <laughs> you, yeah, it's like your mom knows, right? And one thing that they say, you can see the colonialism in this a lot of the time, because they talk about Donna and Ness saying like, she won't even marry the Spaniards. Why would she marry you? They say that a lot in the poem. Yeah, so it's like you see the colonialism here. But anyway, Lam Ang is not somebody to be told what to do, as we could see. So he said, I'm going. He now packs up his, he has a white rooster who's magical, and he has a dog who's also magical. So he has to take them with him. <laughs> so, like, so he's on the road again. He's, he's traveling, despite his mom not wanting to go. So now he's on the road. <clears throat> he meets this guy named Sumerang. Which is another rude thing they say about Sumerang. They say Sumerang, whose eyes were as big as plates and whose nose was as wide as two feet. Rude. <laughs> the colonialism <laughs> again. I said, damn, that's so rude. <laughs> if the story was that Sumerang was ugly, just say that they thought Sumerang was ugly, but don't be rude like that. <laughs> Don, okay, and by the way, Lam Ang. It's supposed to be really hot. He probably was because you'll see. Anyway, <laughs> Super Ang. So Super Ang sees Lam Ang, and he's and he's everyone's heard of Lam Ang at this point. He's Lam Ang. Where are you going? And Lam Ang's. Oh, I'm going to try to court Donna Ines. And he's bro. I just came from there. Let me tell you something. This is fruitless. Don't go there. This is a bad idea for you. And. Lamb Angst, to be honest, I am going. I don't really care what you say. And also, I'm in a rush. I've got to go. I got to get there quick. And then Sumerang's, no, you don't. And he starts to attack Lamb Ang. He's, <laughs> Lamb Ang, though, is really strong. He catches the spear that Sumerang tries to stab him with between his thumb and his forefinger in there. And then he pushes Sumerang back. 
and he twists it and he gives Superman a good spin and he knocks him on the ground and he tells him to get out of here. Don't mess with me anymore. And <laughs> Superman runs away. So we're done with that guy. So now he keeps walking and he, intr- he meets this other lady on the road. Um, and this lady tries to seduce him. She's Lam Ang. I've heard so much about you. Wink. And he's listen, lady. I don't have time for this. <laughs> I'm trying to go get. <laughs> How old is he at this point again? <laughs> no longer a baby. I don't think he's a baby anymore. Thank God. Okay. But not a, a kid. Or no, like... I think okay. he's. We're gonna just say for safety reasons that he's in his twenties at this point. Okay, yes. he's a man now. He's, he's a, a man. man now. He's a man. Okay. Yeah. So this lady. This random woman is throwing herself at Lam Ang, and he's, ma'am, please, I don't have time for this either. So he just dismisses her, and he keeps going. Now he gets to the town of Calatunian, and they're like, there's a line out the door of men trying to court Don and Ness. So he's, damn, this is crazy. What am I going to (laughs) do? So then he lets his rooster, the rooster, I know what we're going to do. The rooster flies on top of an outhouse, and the outhouse collapses. So then everybody looks over, including Donya and Ness, out her window, and her mom's that's Lam Ang. <laughs> the mom is like, oh my god, go get the guards to bring him up. That's that's a key hero. And Donya and Ness is who's that? She's Lam Ang, I just told you. <laughs> you gotta go get him. He's a hero and he's a cutie patootie. We need to get him up here to see if we like him. So <laughs> The mom is so excited. They invite in Lam Eng and they just have a big feast. They eat and eat and eat. They have a whole three verses about how much they're eating. Again. But this time it's not shady. It just sounds really delicious. <laughs> they have lunch with her parents. He's like talking. Oh, my name's Lam Eng. One time I was a baby and I killed 300 people. And they're like, oh my God, that's so great. So now their parents are like, okay. What can you bring us if you want to court our daughter? Like, we're cool. You seem nice, but you got to bring something to the table. Like, what do you got? And he's like, oh, what do I have? I have two gold boats. <laughs> like, what? He's like, I have two boats made of gold. And they're like, oh, no, you don't. He's like, watch this. I have gold. Oh, and he also has a friend from China who has a bunch of porcelain. <laughs> So he's got gold boats, a magic rooster, a magic dog, and mad porcelain. Bitch. Rich, bitch. So her parents are impressed. They like Lam Ang. They think he's cool. They're like, okay, bring back all your stuff and your people, and you can marry my daughter. Great. So he goes home, and he tells his mom, he's, mom, sound the gong, because that's literally what it says. He said, sound the gong, because we need all the town people out here right now. So all the townspeople come, and they're like, what's going on? And Lam Ang's here, ye. You're all invited to my wedding, but you've got to bring shit. As I've told you, I have two gold boats. Transportation's not an issue here, but we are going to need some food, and we're going to need some other stuff. So everybody in the town is pumped, because they love Lam Ang, and they love a party. So they're like, let's do it. <laughs> the next day, he loads up the town. He loads up all their vegetables and fruits and meats onto his two golden boats, and he sails to the town of Don and Ness. Now they get there. Everyone is so excited. They're like, oh shit, they've never seen a golden boat. (laughs) This is so exciting, right? So everyone's, oh, this is going to be great. The whole town, now we have two towns in attendance for this wedding. It's the best party anybody's ever seen. Everyone's partying. 
Now, another hilarious part of this poem, after the mass of the wedding and after the reception, now Donna, Ines, and Lam Ang, they have some time alone. So Donna, Ines says to Lam Ang, let me see you walk. <laughs> Literally, this is what it says in the poem. <laughs> Donna and Nessa, I want to see how you walk to see if I like it. And if I don't like how you walk, I'm returning you to your mom. <laughs> this poem is so funny sometimes. Like, <laughs> and so he sees, so she sees the way he walks. And she said, I don't like the way you walk. Your pants are low, you're bow legged, and you fill up the, <laughs> the path. Your buttocks is prominent. And your hair could be put in a bun. That's literally what it says in the poem. <laughs> so rude, right? And then he, he said, my love, this is how people walk in my town. This is how rich people walk. And he said, and by the way, let me see how you walk, because maybe I won't like the way you walk. And she's fine. You're going to see how I walk. So she walks in front of him. And he said, damn, your work, your walk is worse than mine. <laughs> Wow. They're just like making fun of each other. He said, I don't like the way you sway your hips. You look crazy. <laughs> you just look wild. But then they both just laughed it off and they're like, ah, we love each other. This is great. Look how much fun we have. So, whatever. So then the next day, Donna and Ness goes back to, um, Lam Ang's town to live. Lam Ang has already built them a beautiful house. They're so, so happy. So now some time's gone by, right? Now Lam Ang, he's supposed to dive for a giant seashell. I don't know why, but this is part, maybe it's like a ritual thing that he's supposed to do. Actually, the chief of Donna and Ness's town came and told him, oh, you've got to go do this as part of whatever. So he's okay, no problem. But he has this premonition like the night before that he's going to get eaten by a shark. And when he gets eaten by this shark, that the stairs in the house will dance, the kitchen roof will fall, and the stove will break into pieces. So the next day, Donna and Ness, he tells Donna and Ness, I had this crazy dream. And she's like, don't go. <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> he's yeah. like, yeah, he's like, no, no, I gotta go. Like, probably whatever this ritual is, it's probably a respect thing. So he's probably, you know, I have to do this. So he gets down, goes diving, he sees the shell. He keeps going. He sees the shell. He's swimming. All of a sudden, a shark swallows our man, Lang Ang. Meanwhile, at home, the stairs started shaking. The roof fell in and the stove broke. So now Donna Ines is hysterical because she's like, oh, my God, my husband's dead. This is so terrible. She's so sad. So Donna Ines doesn't know what to do, okay? But don't forget, they've got a magical rooster. So Donna Ines, <laughs> don't forget about the magical rooster and the dog. So Donna Ines was like, oh, Okay, maybe something can be done with this rooster, this dog. And the rooster, who talks, by the way, the rooster was like, oh, I know what to do. We've just got to get all his bones and we can put him back together. So they go find this guy, Marcos. Marcos is the best diver in town. They say, Marcos, we need you to go find Lam Ang's bones, like every single one. Because then he'll come back to life. And Marcos is like, okay. So he goes down there and he swims. It takes him like a few days, I think. But he gets all the bones. They arrange them on the seashore. And the rooster is like, and Lam Ang comes back to life. And meanwhile, he's, damn, I must have slept real long because I don't remember any of that. And his wife is like, yeah, you were dead. It was terrible. (laughs) He's, oh my God, it's fine. And then they lived happily ever after. And that's it. 
Wow. Yes. What? <laughs> what is the moral of this story? There's no moral. This is what I love about this poem. I have never read. So, first of all, I was reading and I was like, oh my God, what happened? I was even shocked. And, oh my God, Lamb Egg, are you okay? I love how this poem, and this is this happens in a lot of, I feel like, <laughs> this happens also in a lot of stories in different places. I feel like we are very used to like fairy tales from Europe where they have a moral or a purpose. But I feel like in other parts of the world, we just tell stories to tell stories. And they're like, this is a very entertaining story that we are going to tell. And they did. And it doesn't have a moral. Absolutely not. <laughs> and killed like 300 people. And he made fun of his wife. And his wife made fun of him. Then he died by accident. And then he got his bones back together. And he was finding a magic rooster. What does it have to do with anything? <laughs> Literally nothing. It's just a good story. <laughs> I yeah, there were more twists than M Night Shyamalan could ever create. No. M Night Shyamalan could never because no. like, because if you ever want a story with twists, you're gonna go to the Ilocano people in the Philippines. We've got a good story for you. I was like, this may be one of my favorite fairy tales ever. Oh, oh God, that was so good. Okay, Woo. all right, you guys. That's the story of Lam Ang. Again, I put it in the show notes so you can read the actual poem. It's not that long. It'll take you less than ten minutes to read this poem, but that was fun. Oh God, I love it. And and this comes. This brings us to the end of the show. This has been so much fun. Rochelle, thank you so much for just hanging out and chilling and talking about how time and space aren't real. This has been so fun. Where can people find you or where do you want to be found as they say on Scam Goddess, one of my other favorite podcasts? Oh, yeah. So (laughs) I hang out mostly on Instagram at brown.bruja. That's B-R-U-H-A. Also on TikTok at brownbruja. And on my website, brownbruja.com. Come over and hang out. We'll talk about all things spirit communication. We'll keep the esoteric, metaphysical conversation going. (laughs) Yes, because we love it. Okay, so everybody, all of those links will be in the show notes. So you can find Rochelle and you can follow her and you can see all the cool stuff she does. And if you want to be part of her community, you can do that too. She has... Just a lot going on. So it's very exciting. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. Again, this is Dying with the Divine. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook. If you really enjoy the show, please feel free to give us a five-star rating. That way more people can find us. Also, I think I mentioned this before, but I haven't mentioned in a while. You can leave me a tip if you really like me. You can give me a dollar, whatever you want. You can leave me a tip. The link is in the show notes. And you can email me if you have any questions or comments or anything like that at dinewiththedivinepod at gmail.com and if you want to follow me ashley i'm at sankofa hs or sankofa healing sanctuary on facebook thank you everybody so much thank you rochelle for joining us this has been so so fun and i hope all of you have an awesome week and we'll see you next time bye